Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mine to lead me through the night. My life in Christian discipleship, I will confess, has been a very, very blessed life. I've been blessed by many, many people. I've been enriched by people in my life through the kingdom of God. I would tell you I've also been blessed by places, by places. Although I've raised in a mid-sized town in middle America in a middle-class family, I've been blessed to travel. Most of my travel has been work-related. In the course of time, I've visited 40 states. I've been to all but one of Canada's provinces. And I've been to a handful of countries around the world. During 15 years of regular travel, I'd often come back home with a small gift for our daughters. For a while, I would bring them those little pressed pennies you can get at various tourist attractions. Now, some of you are already thinking, my word, that's the world's cheapest dad right there. That's right. One dollar and two cents and the souvenirs are accounted for. We did that for a long time. And I'd go on a foreign trip, always tried to bring them currency so they had some money from other places. Of course, more than the small items returned on the trips, I brought stories. Hopefully exciting stories and inspiring stories. And as I was blessed to travel, the more I traveled, there were opportunities to bring my family along on these various adventures. And so while they were still young, our daughters attended youth functions in Ohio and in Michigan in Illinois, and in Maryland, and in Indiana, and in Arkansas, in Oklahoma, in Minnesota, even in Toronto, Ontario. And then after that travel exposure and an excited dad who talks glowingly about travel, one of our daughters became old enough to attend a mission trip, and off she went to the Dominican Republic. And then the other one was of age, and off she went to Mexico and then to Malawi. And then on an ordinary day on our first university visit, one daughter sees a poster to study in Spain. And two years later, she spent a semester there. Then the other one spent a semester in Ghana. And after these trips, there were trips to China and El Salvador and Ethiopia. Now, my wife and I didn't pressure those kids to travel. We, we never threatened them with punishment if they didn't travel. Of course, you wouldn't do that. Yet, their inspiration to travel was not accidental. I traveled, I shared my enthusiasm for travel, and then we promoted their opportunities to do the same. In other words, we did our best to fuel the flames of possibility, to encourage and inspire what is possible. 
couple of weeks ago, we began a series entitled Independence, Not So Much. The Disciples' Joyful Life of Surrender. Today, we're continuing that series. The first message was surrender to the Lord's power. And that surrender is the core of discipleship. Surrendering to Jesus Christ fundamentally requires my realization He is the Lord of glory. He is to be respected. Surely He is the authority. It all starts right there. And that surrender usually results from personal need. We confess that our needs in our lives at any moment are beyond our own abilities. And so we come to the Lord and say, Lord, can you help me? Lord, is there something you can do? Some seek deliverance from a situation. Some folks are needing rescued from pain in their lives. Others recognize that salvation of our souls is only at the hand of the Lord. And so we surrender because we want to know deliverance. And then once we're delivered, we know relief. But you know, Surrender to the Lord that is only pain-motivated usually fades. Because when I choose to live only at that layer of surrender, then I'm choosing to experience periodic and random victories rather than living in the victory that our Lord has designed. And in order to dwell in victory, my surrender extends beyond the Lord's power. Surrender to His authority translates into realizing that He has some imperatives, or as we preached last week, surrender to His precepts. Now for many, the Lord's guidelines are epitomized in the Ten Commandments. And at that stage of surrender, it's easy to summarize the Lord's directions as a series of do's and a series of don'ts. Do this and you'll be blessed like this. Don't do this or you'll be judged like this. Now, oddly, and about, of course both of those things are in Scripture, but oddly there's something about humanity that tends to focus on Preventing judgment rather than accumulating blessing. When it comes to the things of God, we don't as much think about the perks as we think about the threats. What are the judgments that I need to escape? In that sense of a mindset, we would serve God only based on fear and we surrender to Him just to prevent a curse or to stay out of hell. And then we view the Lord's precepts and following His direction as my spiritual insurance policy. It's my means to maintain stability and security in my life. And when I started pursuing God, I may have asked, Lord, can you help me? But I would step into this surrender perhaps by asking, how can I stay safe? What can I do to keep judgment at bay. But I, I preach today that there is another layer of surrender that is really full of excitement 
and adventure in the kingdom of God. Pursuit of the Lord's blessing. Surrender to His promises. I want us to know clearly today before we leave this place that the Lord's promises offer His God-inspired eternal possibilities for every disciple's life. I I hope to get us to put our minds around today and ask the question, can I follow Jesus realizing simply that He has better things to offer to us? Beyond surrendering to Him for duty or threat of judgment, I wonder if I can serve God for the sheer potential that He offers. Rather than surrendering to God because I need Him to fix something or I need to prevent some problems from happening, can we surrender to Him for the possibilities in store? Can we surrender to Him for the promises He extends? It's it's my hope today, and I believe the Lord's hope, that every one of us will ask the Lord Almighty, is there something more for me? We're going to consider a life that's surrendered to the Lord's promise. Really, there's just one biblical example that rises far above all of the rest. His name's Abram. And his story is found in the Old Testament book of Genesis. Now, Abram's first mention is at the end of chapter 11 in the book of Genesis. And his introduction is really slim. We're told that he and his father and his wife and his nephew left the country of Ur. They were headed to a place called Canaan. We are told that his father, Terah, passed away before they ever got where they were going. And the third bit of information in his slim bio is this. His wife, Sarah, is unable to have children. By way of introduction, that's all we have. But then in Genesis 12 and verse number 1, we read this. Scripture reflects, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, I've followed the Lord almost my entire life. And I've been aware of this story for most of that time. But reading this again, I read it wondering, how is this going to strike me if it's the first time I've ever read it? The Lord says to Abram, leave your country. Leave your family, particularly your dad's side of the family. And I want you to go to a place, some place. I'll tell you later where it is. For now, just leave. Now now again, we've got so little background on Abram. It, It doesn't appear that he solicited this from the Lord. He wasn't asking God for direction as far as we know. The Lord just gives him this instruction. As far as we know, Abram's got no trouble in his life. He's got no issues going on. 
For all we know, he's safe. He's content. Things are going along okay. And then this, the Lord says, leave the country. But the directions come with a serious bonus. In verse number two, the Lord goes on to say, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that's a powerful promise. Now, to read that for the first time, if I allow my independent Americanism to kick in, I start thinking like this. Well, that's great, God. I like that promised blessing. Can't I just stay right here for all of that? Do I really need to leave the country? I mean, God, really? Do I really need to ditch my dad and all of his family? Are they that big a problem? I mean, if you're God and you're almighty and you want to do this great stuff, how about just laying it on me right where I am as I exist right now? But instead of focusing on the power of the promise, I would let my independence focus on my inconvenience. Can I offer today that as independent Americans, when the Lord speaks a promise into our lives, there is something about our human nature that tends to see and focus on the ask. And instead of seeing and focusing on the promise. Rather than hearing all the wonderful things that God likes to do and desires to do in our lives, my independent American says, what are you asking of me? But Abraham was a different sort. Abraham didn't focus on the ask. He focused and saw the promise. And look what happens in verse number 4. The Scripture says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. There it is. Out of nowhere, brief introduction. We know little about this man. Yet the Lord speaks to him, Leave the country, leave your family, particularly your dad's side of the family, and head out and I'll tell you eventually where you're going. Gives him the promise of great blessing and protection. And the next verse, Abraham leaves. He surrendered to the Lord's promise. Without reasoned explanation, without certainty, and without any questions, Abraham simply surrendered and he departed as the Lord directed. Now in the years following, I won't read all of the scriptures and all of the chapters, but you can go to the book of Genesis and read it for yourself. In the years after this, things weren't always easy for Abram. And he wasn't always perfect in his pursuit of the Lord's promise. There were some victories, but there were some setbacks. Particularly when that promise is, I will make you a great nation. And the first introduction was, his wife is unable to have children. 
after some time passed, Abram questions the promise of God. His reasoning, his independence starts getting in there. And Abram does some independent thinking. And he says, you know what? I wonder if what God meant was instead of my own son and my own offspring, I wonder if he was thinking about my household servant, Eleazar. I, I got this good man who's been serving me. He's part of my family. I'm going to leave everything to him if we don't have any children. I'll bet that's what God was thinking. But in Genesis 15 and verse 4, the Lord replied to Abram's independent thinking. And the Lord said, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So the promise is reinforced by God. And in verse number 6, here's what Abram did. He believed in the Lord, and he, meaning the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. So Abraham, promise being reinforced, he surrenders anew. He's back on track. But again, some years go by. Still no children with Abram and Sarah. So Sarah does some independent thinking on how she might better help the Lord to fulfill His promise in their lives. She's going to help the Lord get the ball rolling. So Sarah suggests her husband Abram sleep with her housekeeper Hagar and produce a child in that way. Oddly, that didn't work out too well. Another dozen years or so, the Lord speaks to Abram again in Genesis 17. He says, as for me, my covenant is with you. You'll be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. I've made you a father of many nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make na nations of you and kings shall come from you. Now he's reiterated the promise, but he's also clarified it. He's given more details to it. And just to make sure that Abraham understands, the Lord goes on to say clearly in Genesis 17, 19, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you'll call his name Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. And in Genesis 21, the Lord kept this promise. The Lord visited Sarah. Sarah had a child as he had spoken. She conceived and bore to Abraham a son in his old age and at the set time of which God had spoken. Isaac was born to Abraham at a hundred years of age. Sarah was 90. Promise finally begins to unfold. 25 years after the promise was given. You know, Drew opened the service talking about our checking of our phones 150 times a day. Waiting 25 years to receive a promise sure seems like a stretch. How could Abram surrender to the Lord's promise? 
How did he do that? How did he just leave everything based on a vague promise? How could he surrender when he was confused about the details? How did he surrender again and again after years of delay? How could he surrender when he knew good and well the circumstances were contrary to the promise? How did he do that? The Apostle Paul explains it to us in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews 11, Paul pens this, by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. In verse 9, by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, with heirs with him of the same promise. He waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. In verse 11, by faith. Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And in verse 12, it's summarized, therefore one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. How could Abram surrender to the Lord's promise? The one word answer is faith. Faith. And now, throughout Scripture, throughout history, even until this day, Abraham is known for his faith. He has faith to surrender when the details are vague. There's faith to yield when the directions seem odd. There's faith to relent when delivery is distance. There is faith in the Lord God Almighty. Faith in His ability to fulfill His promise that it would come to pass. Faith to surrender now for a promise that would come later on. It required faith. Of course, Jesus Christ in His ministry He extended and fulfilled the need of faith in a disciple. Jesus validated and rewarded faith. Particularly, I want to point our attention to Jesus' final earthly instructions after His resurrection from the dead and just prior to His ascension. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 4, listen to the words recorded and what Jesus said and how similar they sound to the Lord's words to Abram. And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus commanded, he instructed, he gave directions. He told him, wait. He said, stay put. He said, don't leave. And like Abram, the disciples didn't have it all 
figured out. They didn't know all the specifics. They didn't have all the answers. But also, like Abram, the Lord followed those directions with a promise. He said, there's a promise coming. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I spoke about it previously, and it's coming. And the Bible records the disciples surrendered to that promise. He told them to wait, and they waited. He told them to hang around, and they hung around. Did they have all the answers? No. Did they have it all figured out? No. Did they know exactly what was going to happen? No. But they surrendered to a promise. When the Lord spoke to them and said, if you'll do what I'm asking you to do, I'm sending a promise to you, and it's going to be an incredible one. And the Lord fulfilled that promise. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible records when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Since Jesus had already ascended, He wasn't around to describe what had just happened. So Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, let me explain to you what just went down. And in verse 16, Peter said, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And that it shall come to pass in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my men servants and maid servants, I'll pour out my Spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. In essence, Peter was saying, let me tell you what happened. There was a promise given in the book of Joel. And that promise has been fulfilled right here today. This is the promise. God has done what He said He would do. I preach today very simply that surrendering to the Lord's promises is a change in our human perspective. Surrendering to a promise of God is a call to live by faith. Serving our Savior, friend, isn't spending my life looking over my shoulder afraid for correction for my faults and my failures. That's what not what it's all about. Serving our Savior says my past is behind me and with faith I'm looking toward a promised future. Serving my Savior is surrendering to His promise. Surrendering now for the promises yet to come. Certainly, the Lord is the authority for His disciples and we surrender to His power. For sure, His instructions in His Word establish a disciple's direction and so we surrender to His precepts. But I, I preach today to remind us all that the disciple's life is packed with promises. I, I remind us this afternoon, it's not just a boatload of dictates 
dictates you better do this and you better not do that. Raise your head up. Quit looking behind you. Look to the future in faith to the promises of Almighty God. For disciples, there are God-inspired possibilities, eternal opportunities as Abram surrendered in faith, as the upper room disciples surrendered in faith. I simply say, so should we. The promises of the Lord await. What are they waiting on? They're waiting on you and I to simply surrender to the promise as the Lord has given. This past week, I took a day off work. In fact, I took a day off work on the same day that my wife had off work. How about that? And on our combined day off, we went on a little adventure. Or as we recall from years of reading Winnie the Pooh, we went on an explore. On this adventure, we drove to Anacortes, walked our bicycles onto the ferry, and we rode over to Friday Harbor. Once we got to Friday Harbor, we pedaled our bicycles over to Roach Harbor. And then we turned around and rode back to Friday Harbor. Then we had dinner. Then we got back on the ferry, came back to Anacortes. Now, the ferry ride, for those of you who haven't done it, it's about an hour each way. And on that spectacular trip, my wife and I continued to stare in amazement at the incredible landscape in every direction. Emerald forests, check. Crystal clear sky, check. Glistening sea, Snow-covered mountains, check, check, check. On the ferry, there were folks from all over the place. We heard various languages. You know how it is. Saw all kind of families together, clearly on vacation. But not us. We were just enjoying one day off. We live here. So that day was just one of dozens and dozens of awesome day trips that are available to everyone who lives in this incredible Pacific Northwest. We live in a land of adventure possibilities. But not everyone takes advantage of the possibilities. Not all who live in this area enjoy its benefits. Some might not be aware of what the state offers. Others may have once known the potential but forgotten what's there. Some might have just lost their sense of adventure. Others might have gotten bogged down in life's ordinary and the tedious. 
I'll say to us today, all of those things can also be said for any of us who don't pursue the promises of the Lord. Here, now, we don't have to take a plane and a vacation to go somewhere else for the Lord's promises. He is here. We don't have to save up a bunch of money or take out a mortgage on a house for some expensive trip. He is here. The opportunity is before us. His promises are available. I, I remind us to look beyond His power and His precepts and to realize He is a God of promises. I'm trying to fuel the flames of disciples today for the possibilities in the kingdom of God. There are God-inspired opportunities that await for disciples as you and I. For those who aren't disciples, He's inviting. Step on in. The opportunities available. And the only question is, will I pursue them? Am I going going on an adventure with the Lord of glory? Am I willing to surrender to a new layer in His kingdom as the Word directs me? Will I pursue His promise? Stand with me, would you, in this congregation? In a simple Concluding prayer, I would invite everybody in this house, however you pray most comfortably, whether out loud or silently, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, whatever is most comfortable. All across this place, would you begin to talk to God right now in your own way, in your own fashion, in the conversation that you would have with a dearest friend, would you begin to speak to the Lord asking a simple question, Lord, is this true? Lord, is this for real? Oh God, are there surely promises available for me? And having asked that question as you feel the Spirit of the Lord begin to impact your life, would you go on to ask, Lord, what else do you have for me? Lord, what else is available, Lord, that you have planned for my life? Lord, you had some plans for those disciples on the day of Pentecost. Lord, you had some plans for Abram and for others within your Scripture. Lord, what are your plans for me? What are your intentions for me? Do you have anything else available for me? All over this auditorium, would you talk to the Lord for a moment? Would you begin to reach out to Him right now in an atmosphere and an attitude of prayer? Would you begin to do that right now, Lord Jesus? Lord, we open up our hearts and our lives. We're available to You today, Lord. Help me to recognize the power, O oh Lord, of Your promises in Scripture. Help me, O oh Lord, to realize again, Lord, not to be unaware, not to be unconcerned, not to be confused, Lord, not to be caught up in the things of life, but to see the possibilities, to see the potential, to see the opportunities, to see, Lord, the promises that You've prepared and are in store for those who follow You, Lord. Lead my life, Lord. Guide my life, Lord Jesus. Direct my life, O oh God. Point me, O oh Lord, toward Your next steps, Lord. Show me, O oh Lord, the next thing, Lord, that You would bring into my life. The blessing, the promise, the direction, Lord. What You have in store for me. 
I'm open to it, Lord. I'm open to it, Lord. I'm available, Lord Jesus. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Oh.